Today's scripture reading comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, lo in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has set his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is Son of God, God abides in him, and he is God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the word of the Lord. Pray for our children. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we send off our children to their place of worship, we pray for the spirit of knowledge and revelation to be upon them, just as, just as we pray for the spirit to be upon us. Thank you, Lord, that you have protected them under your care uh, this week, under your sovereign care. Lord, we pray for their time of worship to be honoring to you, that they will give their ears and their hearts and their attention to you in giving their praise and thanksgiving. Lord, once again, we pray for their salvation. We pray that they would come to have a personal, deep, intimate relationship with you. And we pray for the assurance of salvation in their hearts. Lord, we pray for the rest of us Lord, as we open up this beautiful letter, would you give us revelation about the God who is near to us, the God who is love, and who wants to have a deep personal relationship with us. We pray this humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Children, please follow your teachers. Please worship. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Um, please keep your Bibles open once again to 1 John chapter 4. Actually, uh, we are at the tail end of our series in 1 John, and this is the second to the last message in this series. So I actually will not be preaching for about a month, and after about three weeks, 
Um, we will finish off our series in 1 John. Uh, it's, it's been a, a journey uh, for me personally, actually, uh, of studying this book and digging deep into the treasure uh, that God has for us in this uh, wonderful, wonderful letter. And it was a bless, uh, blessing time for me personally as I was studying, and I hope it was a blessing. Uh, it is a blessing for you as we are looking into this book together. Um, uh, Grace, my wife, sometimes uh, makes fun of me uh, because I like to repeat myself on certain things. <laughs> I used to think that I will uh, never do that, but I find myself doing that quite often these days, um, you know, repeating a phrase or repeating an idea. And I try to say the same thing sometimes uh, in different ways. But in the end, I end up saying the same thing. And I do that because I really want to get that message across. Whatever message I want to get across to her, uh, I find myself repeating a lot. And if you think about it, um, all of our walk with the Lord, our journey of faith, our Christian life is about um, repetition. And how the Lord continues to remind us of his faithfulness, of his love. His grace, of His mercy. Uh, it is about remembering over and over again uh, of the goodness and the faithfulness of God uh, as we walk uh, our journey of faith. Really, the entire trajectory, the purpose of the book uh, uh, of the Bible and all the books in it um, is to explain to us this essential message of the gospel that God is holy. But we are not. We are sinners in need of a Savior. But still, God loves us, and He wants to have a personal relationship with us as His chief creation. Really, all of the books in the Bible has that message, even in the Genesis uh, and all the way through the book of Revelation. That is the intention and the vision of this book here. Um, if you guys remember, in the beginning of the series, I had explained to you guys about how John is at his twilight years, his mature age, probably in his 80s or even his 90s. Um, and as a spiritual father, as a spiritual grandfather even, um, he is explaining to his children, spiritual children, about the most important things, the most essential things that he wants to get across. So, so there's... A couple of themes that he revolves his, let, uh, his uh, letter around. And this, there is, at this point in our text, in, in the text, there is no uh, new theological ideas. But rather, he is developing the themes that he already has mentioned. Uh, those two themes that God is light and that God is love. He's not just mindlessly repeating himself here, but he is actually taking this idea, uh, God is light, God is love, and developing it into something deeper. And, you know, he's using a literary technique called amplification. So we've already talked about this uh, topic of loving uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and he revisits that idea here in this chapter. When we talked about uh, chapter 3, we already talked about 
that, but he is uh, bringing that topic again to amplify his point and taking us deeper into his message. So in verse 7 and 8, yeah, let's get into our text. Uh, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Last time, a uh, couple of sessions ago when I talked about how as the children of God, we need to be loving one another in Christ. Um, I explained to you guys that it is our duty. It is the Christian imperative uh, for us to be loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. But here uh, in this chapter, he takes us, like I said, further into uh, why, the question of why we need to be loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the reason is because Loving our brothers and sisters helps us know God. So the, in the previous chap chapters, it talked about the why, what and the how of loving your brothers. But here in this section, he talks about the why. And that why, the question of why is answered by giving us this definition that by loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, we get to know who God truly is. Uh, the, the word know is a Greek word that's um, used in the gospel. Uh, like I said, you know, there's all these parallels between his gospel and this letter that keeps uh, reappearing. And it's um, chapter, in John chapter 17, verses 25 and 26. This is the prayer right before the Lord was crucified. Uh, high priest the prayer of, of the high priest uh, that he, this conversation that uh, Jesus has with the Father. And in this section of that uh, prayer, in verses 25 and 26, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So this is a plea by the Lord to the Heavenly Father to help us know Him, help us to know God, just like Jesus Himself knows the Father. The word know, if you guys uh, observe this, uh, is used five times in this two verses in this short segment. Strong emphasis on this word here. This prayer is Jesus inviting us uh, to be united with the Father for us to know him just like Jesus knew the Father. So I want to ask you guys this question. Uh, do you know God? Do we really know him? Or do we just have a whole bunch of information and don't have a true intimate relationship by knowing him. Whenever I go out to evangelism uh, uh, outings with Julia and the others, we meet a bunch of people that know God, that know Jesus, that have information about him, uh, but I have yet to meet someone who truly knows the Lord as the Bible teaches us here. 
We are uh, experts at gathering information. We live in an age where there's uh, just a bombardment of information. So this applies to us as well. Do we really know the Lord in the way that the Bible commands us or do we just have a superficial understanding of who he is? So to experiment this, I, I looked up on Google, um, I looked up on Google how to be a good Christian. And it took me to this page, WikiHow. Uh, Great website, by the way. Uh, it's a bunch of information. And uh, it, gives you, it gives you 10 steps of how to become a good Christian. And, yeah, if you look up on Google, this question, how to be a good Christian, it will give you millions of search results. Same thing, you can look up other things. How to be a good Christian father. Who is God? It will give you millions and millions of searches. So, because we live in an age where this, that much information is available to us. Like I said, our understanding of the Lord oftentimes is very, very superficial. I'm just kind of uh, emphasizing this because this whole letter is written for people that think they know the Lord. Uh, but John challenges us. Do you really know him? And there's a warning given by our Lord in Matthew 7. On that day, Lord, um, on that day, uh, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Uh, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's a scary statement right there. One of the scariest Verses in the Bible. Um, you know, like Dr. Caleb shared last time, I also grew up in the church. I, uh, you know, started going to church when I was in kindergarten. I knew I had a lot of information about God all throughout my life. And um, up until junior high school, high school, I had a bunch of information, but I didn't know the Lord. Uh, but in high school, when uh, I was, it was at a retreat, all of a sudden, at that point in my life, I realized that I truly got to know the Lord because I became self-conscious about the presence of sin in my life. I became aware that I needed a Savior. I became aware that I needed, I'm a sinner. I needed a Savior that can save me, rescue me. And I became thankful the fact that Jesus is a savior that I can trust in my life. And that is a turning point in my life where I started to know the Lord in a real way. So to um, kind of practically lay out what it means to know the Lord, when you know someone, you begin to understand that person's heart. understand that person's motive, intention, and most of all, that person's desire for you. So when you know God, you know God's heart, God's intention, God's desire for you, and most of all, and he makes it very clear here in chapter, uh, 
verse 8. You begin to understand that God is love. And his love was demonstrated and made manifest by sending his own son, his only begotten son, to us. To crucify him on our behalf. Um, my mom was one of the most sacrificial person uh, that I know. Uh, she, she grew up in a pretty wealthy family. Um, you know, didn't, wasn't really lacking anything. She received good education, went to a good college in, uh, in Korea. Um, but when she decided to migrate, to, to immigrate to the U.S. Uh, with our family, she had to let go of all of that. She spent the first 10 years of her life here in the States uh, working at a nail salon, um, washing people's feet and, you know, trimming toenails. Um, you know, like she's a really strong person, you know, a woman of, of dignity, um, but uh, she, for the sake of us, for the sake of his children, she laid it all down so that we can have a better opportunity. And I'm sure... A lot of our parents uh, have a similar, we can uh, testify a similar way. So whenever, um, you know, Grace and, and my kids, when, whenever they say uh, they appreciate what I do for them, I, I kind of cringe because <laughs> um, it's, it's really literally like nothing compared to what my mom did for, uh, for us. But I do my best. I do my absolute best to demonstrate what I have seen, uh, what I have experienced. Uh, the love that my mom showed me, I tried to demonstrate that. And out of my deep appreciation for what she has done, um, I try to demonstrate that to my kids and to uh, recipro reciprocate that love to those around me. In the same way, when we know the Father's love, uh, we have to, it's inevitable, that we demonstrate that love for one another. So knowing God, the God who is love, is the cause, and loving others is the effect. So once again, knowing God is, knowing the God of love is the cause, and loving others is the effect in our walk of faith. Um, John is always like this. He's, he never um, just leaves us hanging in a theological cloud, but he commands us practical ways. He challenges us um, to put theology into practice. And that's what John is teaching us here. And not to say that we need to fall into a trap of legalism. You know, back in uh, chapter, uh, verse 7, beloved, let us love one another. And this phrase here, beloved, uh, let us love one another. This is a really powerful statement uh, that we are the beloved people of God. We are God's beloved children, sons and daughters. Um, because we are His beloved, we practice love for one another. It is not out of our legalistic duties, uh, legalistic responsibilities, but because we have received so much, we freely give to those around us. And another thing I, I wanted to mention here, a lot of people uh, in the world, they take this and distort 
this truth in verse 8. It says here in verse 8 that God is love. Now, some people flip this to say and live in <laughs> practically with this mentality uh, that That love is God. So, <laughs> so A, is B, A equals B, so B equals A, right? We kind of have that understanding, but that's not what um, this, obviously, this passage is teaching us here. There's danger in defining God this way. A.W. Tozer wrote uh, about this. Uh, when the disciple John has written these words, God is love, he was stating a fact, not offering a definition. This means that love is an essential attribute of God. Love is something true of God, but it is not God. And a lot of people have this perspective because nowadays we idolize love. Uh, in the name of love, we do all kinds of crazy things. Uh, and they almost to a point... They worship this idol called love, their definition of love. So we don't worship love, but we worship the God of love. This is altogether a different story. So again, John is teaching us that God is love, that love is an essential attribute of God. Love is obviously we have to really understand what uh, also God, uh, uh, John is teaching us here. He's teaching us here that God is also the originator of love, the initiator of love. Yeah, so the first point, know that God is love and know that God is the initiator of love. He is the originator, the initiator of love. There are other passages in the Bible that talks about love. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, the most famous uh, passage on on love and great definition. And that is a passage that describes all the attributes of love. Uh, but here, uh, John takes us a little bit deeper. And he gives us um, an insight where um, giving us an insight that God is the originator. The origin of, of love comes from the Lord. And of course, of course, and you guys know this, all the different uh, Greek uh, words for that is translated love, you know, eros and philos from storge. Um, of course, the word love that's used here is the word agape, sacrificial, uh, pure, or divine love. Uh, and all throughout this whole past, all uh, book, when he talks about love, uh, he is referring to, he is using this word. So God is the fountain of life that constantly pours out the most beautiful thing, justice, righteous, all that, and out of all of that, he pours out his love for us. So uh, speaking of the initiation of love, and um, God being the origin of love, um, we have to understand uh, this aspect of our relationship with him, that uh, 
his love was made manifest to us first. And his, made, his love was made shown to us first. There is nothing that we initiated uh, for him to love us. Chap- uh, verse 10 and 11. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God has sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Again, John writes, the love of God was made manifest to us. He makes the statement that the love was made available to us by the willingness of the giver. There is nothing that, this love is in some way unidirectional. One directional and was not dependent on our performance. Um, my, again, my relationship with my children, uh, there's nothing that they did uh, to trigger me to love them. I just love them because they're my kids. They're my children. They're my son and they're my, uh, they're my sons and daughters. A son and daughter. I only have one. <laughs> so, okay. One per. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there's nothing that they did uh, to, for me to want to love them. I love them simply because they're my children. So there's nothing that we did for God to love us and for him to initiate his love for us. Before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul. Very unlovable, hatred-filled religious fanatic. Uh, But Jesus came and visited him. Some of Jesus' disciples, they're outright sinners, tax collectors, publicans. But Jesus visited them. Uh, My own family, none of my, you know, both my father's side, mom's side, they were all pagan, um, worshipping families. But the Lord visited my mom and initiated his love in her so that we can have this hope of his love. So yeah, God is the initiator. He is the origin of love for us. I had mentioned in the beginning that the Bible is a collection of stories, a narrative of gospel. And this is the message of the gospel, that he loves us, that he wants to have a relationship with us. But another way, I think another good definition that we can think of this Bible, uh, think of this book, uh, is that it is a chronicle of love's triumph over fear. A chronicle of love's triumph over fear. Love's victory over trials, tribulations, and even death. It is a narrative where darkness is overcome by the light of God's love. So here, John is reminding us here that when we know the Lord, when we truly know him, 
we are perfected in his love, perfect love, cast out fear. Verses 17, that is my prayer for you. Know that God's love casts out all fear. Verse 17 and 18. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Ever since the beginning of the church history, there have always been people who were fearful of their status before the Lord. Um, they always live under the fear that somehow, if they don't do certain things right, um, that they would fall out of favor. They would, um, that's why there were Pharisees in Jesus' times. And even now, that's why we have legalists in the church uh, within our time because people operate with fear. Uh, there is healthy kind of fear. Uh, fearing the Lord is, is actually a good thing. Uh, Proverbs, uh, fear, of the, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, that's not the kind of fear that, that John is referring to this year. He's talking about the kind of fear, the ungodly fear that prevents us from being bold enough to say that I am God's child, that I am completely secure in him. Having the sense of full confidence in the Lord, our relationship with him. And really all throughout this letter, he assures us of this fact. He reminds us that we can have spiritual confidence in the Lord. Whoever has yet to experience perfect love, fear punishment that is forthcoming. But we as uh, people of God who has experienced this perfect love, there is no fear of condemnation. Just like uh, Paul had taught us in the book of Romans, Perfect love casts out fear, and fear has to do with punishment, uh, John writes here. When we say that uh, we fear something, and we kind of look at the spiritual motive beyond fear, when we, behind fear, when we say that we fear something, we are declaring, we are acknowledging that our object of fear, whatever that may be, we are making the statement that our object of fear is greater than God. And God doesn't take delight in fear. Again, uh, when we are operating under fear, we are idolizing whatever object of fear that we have in view. And God doesn't take delight in that. Rather, when we are uh, perfected by his love, back in Seventeen. We will have confidence, and here is the key phrase here: that we will have confidence in the day of judgment, as He is, as He is. We also will be in the day of judgment. 
who is John referring here, referring to here when he says, as he is? He's referring to Jesus Christ. Um, think about Jesus when he was here. Um, he was completely uh, confident as the Son of God. He had, there was no sense of insecurity in him, um, no shadow of turning with him, you know, as James writes. He lived a life of a, a person who has this perfect love. He demonstrated that the way he loved people um, around him. So he's John is encouraging us here um, that when we are perfected in him, that we can be like Jesus was, being fully confident in the Lord to love those around us. Um, As you guys know, right now, uh, the whole uh, Eastern world is, 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 is in, is in uh, fear of this uh, coronavirus. Um, you know, things are getting worse and worse in, in, in Korea. And, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's worse because, uh, yeah, this cultic group, apparently is responsible for the upsurge in the number of people who are infected by this disease. And so churches in Korea are asking this question, um, is this virus a punishment of the Lord? Uh, is it because, you know, the city of Wuhan was persecuting the church? Um, is God punishing them? Is God punishing Korea uh, with this uh, disease? And I, I really appreciated um, the way this, this past one pastor interpreted this issue. Uh, although it may or may not be the, the coronavirus phenomenon, it may or may not be a direct judgment on the Lord and on the cities and regions of Asia. Uh, we have to remember that all the cities in the whole entire world are under the judgment of God. Every single city, every single region in the whole entire world And what we should be focusing on this, at this point is whether, not whether or not this disease is a judgment from the Lord, but to think about why God saved us from the punishment and gave us hope of eternal life. And we have to remember also that in the midst of all this chaos, there are people in these regions practicing love for others. giving themselves sacrificially to fight this disease. So enemy, the enemy wants us to, to be confined in the place of fear. Satan loves us being confined in the place of fear. But we fight fear with the assurance of love. Not just any kind of distorted love, but the love of God. The perfect love that drives out fear. And I just, um, you know, wanted to say that when we say perfect love, uh, it doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. Uh, yeah, it does not mean that we as, as, as people have to be uh, perfect. Uh, obviously, the people that uh, he's writing this letter to, I mean, they were not perfect. There were issues. But John is encouraging us to be sanctified in the Lord for us to make that step. 
to be more and more secure, to be more and more intimate with the Lord, for us to be cleansed and pure in Him. So we as believers operate on the power of love, love that is perfected by practicing love for others around us, not operating out of fear, operating out of fear of judgment and punishment from the Lord. That's what John is teaching us here. And um, it's, yeah, it's really sad to admit this, but I'm preaching this text uh, to my, this message to myself too. A lot of times I operate out of fear. so many areas in my life personally uh, where I lack the security that the Lord gives us. So much fear in my life, um, fear of future and that kind of thing. Um, you know, as I was typing up, uh, preparing this message this week, I, I thought about, I looked at, um, look back in my life, uh, elementary school, junior high school, high school, college, And all throughout those years, how I struggled uh, academically. And, you know, like, uh, I was not the brightest student. Asian kid. Uh, (laughs) Struggling academically. Oh, this is such a shame. (laughs) Um, And I was not, and and a lot of you guys know, I'm not athletic either. So you either have to be, like, one or the other. You know, you have to be smart or you have to be athletic. But I was not. I was not academically uh, inclined. And uh, yeah, so I grew up with that sense of insecurity. Uh, Even going into ministry, um, you know, I had to do some deep soul searching because do I even qualify um, to stand up here, to preach uh, to people, to teach people? so many more qualified, talented people out there to do this job. Um, but, um, you know, as I was praying, at the end of the day, that is a lie that Satan is speaking to my ears. Um, I realized that and I repented. Um, it's, it's actually Satan's favorite strategy to fix attention on yourself about your lack your insecurity, um, how you disqualify, uh, fix your attention on that, your insufficiencies, and just making you more and more, pushing you more and more into the direction of operating out of fear of man. Um, But the Bible teaches us um, differently. He challenges us to fix our direction, our focus to the one who is the provider of perfect love. Um, And that perfect love is not, again, as I mentioned, is not available to us. You don't qualify for that perfect love because of your actions, of your qualifications. But it is available to all of us. I'm I'm not just doing, you know, kind of a pep rally, pep talk rally here, but uh, just reminding you guys and wanting you guys to really remember um, that as the beloved sons and daughters of God, you have this amazing
amazing sense of um, comfort and peace and security available to you. Um, you know, I, I thought about this too. Uh, what if one day uh, I get into, I think about this, um, what if one day I get into, get into an accident and I lose, uh, I become immobile, I lose my voice, um, whatever I, I depended on. What if I become invaluable in the world's perspective? Am I a worthless being? No, I don't think so. Because I am completely and fully secure in the love of our Father, who does not um, seize his love because we starting to <laughs> disqualify. So uh, restoring this positional relationship with God, um, I just wanted to um, remind you guys, uh, really encourage you guys to restore your position um, before the Lord, that you are beloved, precious sons and daughters who have this amazing um, love available to us. Fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And I also want to remind some of us here who have not yet accepted the Lord through our Savior. Um, there's an invitation for you right now to experience this security, this love um, that never lets us go, that never fails, that never leaves us. Perfect love that drives out all fear. I really want encourage for all of us um, to walk in that love and to be perfected in His love. Amen. And let's pray. Let's um, actually spend a couple of minutes asking the Lord to free us from whatever it is that you're fearful of, whatever it is that is giving you insecurity, that is taking away your peace. Let's ask the Lord to release us that we may be perfected in his perfect love, that we will be completely and fully secure in him. Spend a couple Father, we want to experience true love, love that casts out fear, love
God, that gives us confidence. Love that secures us. Love that helps us not waver by the turmoils of this world. Love that enables us to be bold. Love that enables us to develop close relationships with our friends. Love that breaks us free from barriers. Love that is proven by loving others. Lord, we desperately seek for that experience. Experience that is available to us made available to us by your wonderful promise in this book. Lord, when the rest of the world is scrambling to drive out fear with their abilities, with their skills, technology, mobilization of efforts, Lord, help us to operate with the love available to us and Lord help us to fight and be victorious just like your son Jesus was thank you God for this amazing amazing truth may it guide us direct us transform us conform us more and more into the image of your son